Good morning, everyone. We welcome you to our Saturday morning Bible study. We're so glad you could join us today. This morning, we're recording from the North Star Cottage, and we welcome you all. And our moderator is Thomas from New York City. Welcome, everybody. Uh, and uh, glad to get back to our Bible study, start of a new season. I will begin with our quote, which is from a poem by Mary Baker Eddy. His writ on earth, on leaf and flower. Love has one race, one realm, one power. Dear God, how great, how good thou art. To heal humanity's sore heart. To probe the wound and pour the balm. A life perfected, strong and calm. The dark domain of pain and sin surrenders. Love doth enter in. And peace is won and lost is vice. Right reigns and blood was not its price. So this was written in Pleasant View, Concord, New Hampshire. January 1901, uh, from the Book of Poems. The title of the poem is The New Century. All right. Thank you. That's a very beautiful poem. Man, Tom, you really find some good things. This is amazing. But it states a fundamental truth that Love hath one race, one realm, one power. So all the noise in this world that tends to divide us, we need to remember this truth to counteract it. We're all in the family of God. If we would just we have the eyes to see it. I love to heal humanity's soul heart. Beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'll read. It was very interesting to me today because Carrie, you know, she's always contributing much in the way of things. And um, she found this article by Louise Cooper. It's called Undercurrents. But it's really, it's about the poem. It's not too long, so I'm going to read it because it makes some really very good points. Those who accept Christian science can truly say that for them, all things have indeed passed away because the spiritual sense of being has replaced material belief. But there are some of us who continue to carry in our consciousness an undercurrent of belief in sin, sickness, or sorrow. Some months ago, a dear friend said to the writer that for two weeks she had been striving faithfully to shut out an undercurrent of grief from her thought. The next day I went carefully to work to analyze my own consciousness and was truly surprised to find that for a year and a half I had thought that I was doing well to carry a brave exterior and be ready with kind, word or cheery smile, although there had not been one waking hour when I was not conscious 
of a heavy sense of sorrow underneath. It had, in fact, seemed loyalty to one who was gone to leave that sense undisturbed, sacred to the memory of the departed, and thus thought was being held down to a baseless fabric instead of building up the true foundation, that of truth and love. Then came a steadfast resolve that this hidden sin, this belief in sorrow and death, should be uncovered, and the secret thought held resolutely before the light of spirit that had penetrated to the depths of human consciousness. The first question that naturally presented itself was, what is grief? There could be but one answer, namely an illusion entertained respecting God and man. It was then clearly seen that grief has no power to undermine and bring chaos where the solid foundations of living faith and trust in good are laid. It was also seen that no earnest seeker for truth would willingly harbor such a falsity. Therefore, it must be rooted out. And though the process may be slow, the error must be destroyed. Then a new song of happiness and harmony will rise from the depths of consciousness, where joy should reign forever. Joy, because God is all. The discoverer and founder of Christian science with tenderest love and patience has brought us the understanding of truth to destroy every ill that mortal mind would place upon us. With loving heart, she gave us these lines of a poem. Dear God, how great, how good thou art to heal humanity's sore heart, to probe the wound, then pour the balm, a life perfected, strong and calm. As true meekness enters our heart, we begin to gain an understanding of Jesus's words and ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. And again, ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. As we obey the demand of infinite love, as voiced by the prophet Micah, that is, to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with God, truth will indeed probe every wound, and we shall begin to see as Mrs. Eddy saw when she wrote in the same poem. Tis writ on earth, on leaf and flower, love hath one race, one realm, one power. So I just thought that was such a beautiful article speaking to that poem directly and to watch our own thinking, are we are these undercurrents, undercurrents of sadness, undercurrents that we're holding on to. You know, maybe we think we've suppressed, but they're not gone. We can't afford to have those. It's not being a, a Christian scientist. Um, and even even with grief, as hard as that can be sometimes, we mustn't have it. Because uh, uh, God is all. There's nothing to grieve over because because of that one truth. God is all. And this poem speaks directly to it. So thank you, Tom. And thank you, Carrie. Yes, indeed. Well, I think also, when if we remember that if we are dwelling in the kingdom of God all the time, then there is no sadness there. We cannot be entertaining sadness, 
fear and all of these things. And then say we are abiding in the kingdom of God as well. That's what comes to me. Thank you. Yes. Mm-hmm. There, you know, there's not this gray zone. I was so grateful when I when I met Mrs. Evans because there was no longer these gray zones. You were either in or out. You know, you were either loving or you weren't. You were either being truthful or you weren't. You were either being joyful or you weren't. And that's very, very relieving in a way. So don't toy around. Don't think there's a gray zone and you can harbor these little areas in your life that aren't totally with and of God. Because you can't. Well, I was doing a lot of reading in the science on health, and it makes a very clear honesty, period. It doesn't say a little honesty or a little, like you said, no white lies. Yeah, it's honesty, and that is what it means for, for God is truth. And we are as a reflection of truth. We must be honest in all our ways. Otherwise, we get ourselves in terrible, terrible messes. If we're un. Sometimes we're not even truthful to ourselves. I I know I wasn't. You know, I try to cover up all my troubles or sins or whatever, and I just made a mess of everything. Be honest. Mrs. Eddie says that. Be honest no matter however slow you'll you'll make it. Um, that's in Science and Health. That's definitely a paragraph, paraphrase. It's also in first edition, a beautiful um said he talks about no matter how slow you are if you're honest you will finish your course with joy if you're not and you're trying to deceive people yourself or god you'll just run this awful zigzag course you've got to be honest that's truth and i think that is what probes the wound yes the light of truth thank you the light of truth is what probes yeah, being honest with ourselves can sometimes be a very difficult thing. <laughs> it can be a very painful thing. It can be a very disconcerting thing to be honest and actually face what's in our consciousness. It can hurt a lot, but it has to be done. Because only then do we let God pour in the truth? Yeah. The sunlight of truth. And that was one thing uh, Mrs. Evans was good at. She would probe you. <laughs> she would she would needle you in a way to find out what was really under there. If you weren't ready to to say, she would keep needling you till finally you had to you had to fess up. And that that's a good thing. Yes. A practitioner should be doing that. That's that's the light of truth shining and it can't hide. If it hides, it's festering and it'll pop out in various ways. It reminds me of in Collectania, Mrs. Eddie has that prayer. Let your prayer be daily. Reveal to me, oh God, my secret faults, every error, every sin. Certainly working with a practitioner and doing church work, you end up finding out what all your faults are. So. Thank you. Which is good. And lead me in the way everlasting. So, yes, lead me in the way everlasting. Also, um, I feel that when we find ourselves uh, burying all these thoughts, when we start working with gratitude, 
then it's, it's there's a light that shows the way that we can see what's going on. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Gratitude always shows us the way, connects us with the Father. And there again, you know, you can't be dishonest about your gratitude. You're either grateful or you're not. Mm -hmm. You can't fake it. <laughs> oh, a little grateful. I, isn't Mrs. Evans that said a little pregnant or something? <laughs> you can't be a little of that, yeah. <laughs> no. It was very, very refreshing to find someone who's like that and not not in this gray zone. I was in such a gray zone when I first came here. You know, maybe this goes or that went. Maybe things were okay. Maybe they weren't. Um, it's actually quite a relief when you get yourself to a mindset where I'm willing to admit whatever it is that needs to be brought to light. Because it's actually quite burdensome to feel like you got to manipulate and control and choose what am I going to say, what am I not going to say. Hey, let it all go. And if you get to that point, it's actually a release of something very heavy. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the joy that getting on this path gives you is from first realizing that the old way that you were led to the old you know what happened that made you come to science i, re I recently heard something that kind of fits here play stupid games get stupid prizes and, so, <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's just if you stay exactly the same way you're gonna keep falling in that ditch so that's where I found myself when I first came here. It's like kept it's like I was on like a little hamster wheel and go around and around and just kept going back to the same thing and the same thing and I couldn't get myself past it because I was harboring such anger and hate. It just kept coming around and I think we talked about it <clears throat> during the round table discussion or something that everything in your life seemed to reflect that same feeling that attitude like if I go to the doctor's office I would feel like someone was touching me wrong and I would it would like trigger all those hate and anger and all that stuff and I couldn't get through anything like just being in a room with with people like everything felt threatening to me even though they they may have just been you know just normal, normal loving people but just being in the room made me go back to all that that I was feeling in my past and it just kept coming around and around and around. I'd go a few days and I'd be all good with it and I could do my job. <clears throat> Being a correction officer in an all-male facility, it was it was a lot to overcome and, and there was a lot of changes over the years and the way that I dealt with things and became stronger and stronger. And then when I came into Christian science and was healed of all that, stuff with the past and it, it was amazing i could see everybody in a whole different light and there was no threat hanging over me which was actually my own mind and my own thinking because i would think there was bad people everywhere thank you luann great healing yeah you will project what's in your thought 
no villains or victims. Yes. Hmm. Okay, anyone else? Well, I want to say that uh, I enjoy uh, using the poems as quotes. Um, I I feel that uh, the poems are uh, an underutilized area of Mary Baker's Eddie's writings. Uh, so there's so much there. And in some sense, I think about how, like, uh, uh, you know, maybe to break the mesmerism that... Uh, you should uh, sing a hymn or read a psalms. And, you know, we actually have another choice, which is to read a poem by Mary Baker Eddy. Um, she wrote some really beautiful stuff. Um, and um, I almost included a different poem for today. Um, so Mary Baker Eddy wrote this uh at the end of uh, 1849. And uh, it was uh, to my mother in heaven. And just a couple lines here. I see thee mid the shining throng of angels robed in light, where a prayer is changed to praise profound, and day excludes the night. So that's how it begins. Um, but she wrote that on the passing of her mother. And interestingly, this is in the book by uh, Nancy Garner Beauchamp, um, but not in the book of poems published by the Boston Church. Um, but this poem was published in a newspaper. So it was obviously known, this poem, that it existed, um, but they excluded it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe because of the human nature of it that she wrote it about the past of her mother, but um a poem like that can be helpful for us, I think. So anyway, just some general thoughts about poems by Mary Baker Eddy. Thank you. All right. Okay, Uh, so our topic today, and see now, this this is the the end of our study on the book of Revelation. We can always go back to Revelation, but we've been going through this sequentially from beginning to end, and now we're at the end. Our topic is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So um, the areas of Revelation is covering is uh, chapter 21, verse 1, to to the end, uh, chapter 22, verse 5. And uh, it covers the uh, pages in Tomlinson from page two, pages 238 to 257. So I wrote basically three questions today to kind of cover some key points at the end. There's probably a lot more um, that we can find, so people are uh, very happy people to bring up their thoughts. So the first question is, what does this mean? So this is a quote from Revelation. It is done. And uh, we can read at the beginning of the Bible, uh, and on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. 
That's Genesis chapter 2, verse 2. That's the New King James Version. So what is meant by it is done? I looked it up, and the Greek word for it is finished is telesia, and uh, it means complete, but not just complete like the end of the line or finished, but more like perfection complete. Mm. So it, it would, it's just, they, the Greeks just use one word to cover the whole statement of it is finished. It's just like paid in full or complete. It, it's perfection. Perfection. That's exactly what I got out of it. There is none else. It, it is complete. It is perfect. Um, when you think you know, divine principle it has no beginning, it has no ending. It does not go through states and stages. It doesn't get built or changed or anything. It just is. It always has been and it always will be. You can say the same thing about divine truth. It is complete. It is perfect. Mrs. Eddy uses the word infinite to also describe God and God's creation. You know, and she says things like, you know, God was satisfied with his creation because God's creation is the manifestation of God who is perfect. So how could anything that is the manifestation of God be anything less than perfect and complete and infinite and timeless? The word sealed comes to my mind um, with this, that it's, it's as we've been saying, it's to perfection. So nothing can be added, nothing can be taken from it. It's complete, accomplished to perfection. I was thinking too that when Jesus said that on the cross, that he's not just saying that his his work in the three-year ministry was finished. I think he was just making a statement like a reminder, like it to make it aware that God's work is done. It just, it just felt to me like that, like he was just saying, you know, it's finished. <laughs> Trying to tell everybody his work is done. God's work is done yeah. in Genesis. You know, this book is called Revelation. And to me, that means that reality has come into plain view. And, uh, I'm so thankful for Mary Baker Reddy for explaining these things because the very first book of the verse of the Bible in the beginning 
God created the heaven and the earth. And Mrs. Eddy went on to explain that this word beginning means the only. In other words, there was no point in time when reality started. You know, that's been mentioned before. And the other word that's been mentioned is principle. And one of the definitions of principle is the primal condition of things, the original and real character of things as they are. And it might be something to wrap your head around, but think about it. There was no point in time when we were actually born. We always were. Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. So it's a simple continuity of perfection, reality, and existence that never has a beginning point, never has an ending point. It just simply is the revelation or revealing of the primal condition of all things. I was thinking about when I was a kid, there was a lot of inconsistency in the people around me, and I wasn't really sure what was going on, but my grandfather was always really consistent, and over the years, I got the sense if you had asked him a question when he was 20 as opposed to 80, he'd probably get the exact same answer, <laughs> you know, and I, and I come in here, that's what I think about God, you know, God, we know in 600 years, truth will be there for us, love will be there. That you know, it's not. It's not going to change. It's not going to be any different. So it is done. Just means that to me. There's not, not a concern that anything, anything worthwhile and real will change. And uh, I mean, that's something to be really grateful for. <laughs> so indeed. And then, and then, are you fully aware of this completeness? It's here. Do you feel complete? Does your life feel complete? Do you see everything is being perfect and complete? Because that's our job. It's finished. He did it. So are we are we doing it too? I mean, what a terrible waste if we don't. Perfection is all around us. The loveliness of love. Is all around. So, and now is the time to awake out of sleep, folks. <laughs> That's it. The, the sleep that you're not complete, that things aren't right, that you, you know, that article by Bicknell Young. If you say I want, you say I want. There's no end to all the things you're going to want. You'll <laughs> never, you'll never be satisfied. So you have to uh, complete. Mrs. Evans used to tell us, you know, baby cases that, that the, to know that the forthcoming child was complete, had everything they needed, um, the right school, the schooling, the right companions, the health, all it was complete. Just like a little acorn is complete. It grows up to be a huge oak, has everything it needs to make that huge oak. So that was a beautiful thought, and we can apply it to ourselves and others. Complete. Peace. So, so isn't this kind of what Christian science is, what we're trying to learn from that? So what we've been talking about is uh, completeness, 
perfection, timelessness. I mean, it says here in the same verse, I'm Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. So a uh, sense of that uh, this perfection has always been, not some sort of future state. It is now. Yeah, this, this, this is the truth of the universe. And that is what science is. It's the laws and truth that apply and govern everything in the universe. As an aside note, this all made me think about Eustace, and he writes about is, Richard, and it's very nice. I mean, it's very interesting. I, I just thought of it now uh, as you were all speaking, but he has he has a very good uh, written up about is. Is. The isness. Right. Isness. Yeah. Yeah, I like what Bruce said. Reality that has come into plain view. <laughs> Completeness. Well, you know, we've studied this book of Revelation from beginning to end, and a lot of it, it can look like a lot of conflict and turmoil, etc. But it ends on this reality coming into plain view. So my take on that is, you know, you can't run away from things. You know, it says that he that overcometh has uh, mm -hmm. the peace. So, hey, we've got nothing to lose. Let's go through what we have to go through, learn what we need to learn, because at the end, reality will come into plain view. If we allow it. <laughs> if we are honest. Yeah. We are sincere seekers. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, because what is required to actually see things clearly, to, to really be what we call ourselves, a Christian scientist? But what is required? You know, Mrs. Eddy says we have to not only seek the truth, but we have to strive. We have to be willing to work to want to know what is true and what is real. Well, to be willing to accept it, I feel, you know, it's something we must accept. God made in his image and likeness means perfection. So we have to open our hearts to accept it. Yeah, and then work to get rid of anything that isn't like that. Yeah. <laughs> anything that's blocking you from seeing what God has done. Yeah. Miss City says that error nips at the heel of truth. The lie is the lie is is always going to follow us. We can't, you know, it's not a path of roses, she says. <laughs> and you, you can't run away from the pain of learning. It's like 
when you no. get uh, rebuked or something like that. You can't you can't run away from that. You should rejoice that it's just part of the learning process. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, but we have to re remember. We have to re uh, keep in mind that you know when when evil error nips at our heel. Our heel is always more powerful than the error, and we can use our heel to stop it out and be rid of it. What did you say, Florence? And just now? Yeah. No, I was just thinking, rather. I was thinking of Jesus' example for us. That's how he lived, and that's how he overcame everything. Thank steadiness with the truth of you know being what God made at one with him all the time in his consciousness is the right consciousness that he had it seems that we have to emulate mm -hmm. yeah last week we talked about God being individual consciousness at the round table so goes back to that and again, Carrie sent a poem, Mrs. Eddy's poem, called Laos Deo. Mm -hmm. Laos Deo means praise be to God. And this was written on laying the cornerstone of the Mother Church. Mm -hmm. Laos Deo, it is done. Rolled away from loving heart, it is, it is stone. Lifted higher we depart, having won. Laos Deo on this rock, heaven chiseled, squarely good, stands his church. God is love and understood by his flock. Yeah. Laos Deo, night starlit, slumbers not in God's embrace. Be awake, like this stone, be in thy place. Stand, not sit. Brave silence, steadfast stone, dirge and song and shoutings low in thy heart. Dwell serene and sorrow? No, it has none. Laos Deo. That's beautiful. It really is beautiful. And Tom, so right. We don't give these poems nearly the credit. And it goes so well with all we're talking about. Because Mrs. Betty, what was she saying? It is done. Christian science, she completed it, right? Just as Christ has completed his, his holy mission, she completed hers, the cornerstone of the Mother Church, and it gives very strong instructions for all of us. But I never saw it before. No. This is interesting because it was done at a point in time where it may look like there's this enormous construction project ahead of them. And she came at it from the standpoint that it is completed. Thank you. And with that in mind, you know, the actual construction did go through quickly. In fact, the comments on the construction of that church was it was a minor miracle, the fact that they even completed it when it did. Thank you. And it was in the face of much opposition because 
to what extent did the others around her accept the idea of it being finished? There was one man, Edward Bates, who was receptive to that idea. And Mrs. Eddy had a meeting with Edward Bates and repeated several times, Edward Bates, without you, this church would not have been built. And he was saying, no, no, Mrs. Eddy, it's all you, you did it all. But between the two of them, they had this interchange. She also said, Edward, are you ready for what's coming next? Yeah. They will hate you and revile you, shun you, because of what you had done for the building of this church, which was being receptive to the true idea, which Mary Baker Eddy had first that she expressed in this poem. Thank you. Yes. And all that was done, even all the, the funds, everything. But yeah, there's a book about that, about the mother church, the building of it, and all the obstacles. Mm -hmm. And this poem was first issued in the 1894 issue of the journal, which means this was the original church. And, um, and then it was republished in miscellaneous writings. So I, I like these uh, words. Uh in this poem in terms of how we should conduct our daily lives so i suggest repeating what you said before be awake like this stone be in thy place and not sit so we are in uh, the right place we know where we should be um we're standing not sitting as in being active in life right we're being awake not asleep um, that's how we should be as Christian scientists. Yes, thank you. Very clear rules. And not to be in sorrow, no. Well, serene. In sorrow, it has none. I also wanted to talk about this sense of completeness, also in the same verse in Revelation. Um, you know, it says, I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. So there is no lack. We have boundless supply, and it's freely given to us. And that, to me, is an aspect of um, it is done, right? Um, we have what we need. Yes. So I don't know. Can we read too much into those three words that is done? No. Can <laughs> um, we move to the next question? Sure. Okay. Question number two. All right. Um, what does this mean? The gates shall not be shut. And so uh, quoting here from Revelation. And the gates of it shall not be shut all, at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And then in Isaiah, therefore, thy gates shall be open continually. They shall not be shut day nor night. And then from Tomlinson, these gateways of spiritual understanding are never closed thus indicating the ever-present availability of Christian science. Mm 
Beautiful. Uh, when I read this, I was reminded of what Jesus said in John six thirty seven: All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And, and what is the gate referring to? In those days, they had cities that were walled, and there was only one entrance into the city, and it was the gate, right? Mm-hmm. But this is a different kind of city, isn't it? Yeah. This is the heavenly city. And it's the place where we are supposed to abide mentally, right? It's a city that has no opposing power. It, 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 it is, right. It is where our consciousness should be. It's the reality of God, his manifestation. There's no limit or restriction for anyone. What comes to me with this is like the you know, Christian science or what we say, like everybody is really a Christian scientist. We haven't awakened to it yet. Because there's only one God. Only one. We all serve. And the Christ is dwelling in everyone. Thank the awakening you. to it is different, different stages. Yeah, that's why actually everyone is within the gate. She said they just haven't awakened to it yet, but they couldn't be otherwise. But we must claim it for ourselves. That's why I talk about a lot about staying in the Father's house. Do you feel like you're in that gate? Are you seeing inside the protection, the glory, the beauty, the health, the wealth, everything? Yeah, because true Christianity which is what Christian science is, is the gate. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. Is there any other way into this heavenly city other than the knowledge and practice of the science of Christianity? I mean, do we have, is there a back door? <laughs> no, Jesus said that there's no other way in, and there's no other foundation. Right. Yeah, he said, I am the way, I referring to the Christ. Mm-hmm. The gatekeeper is the sheep. Yeah. No man cometh by that by me. No man cometh to the Father but by me. You know, and, and in Apocalypse, it's such a beautiful chapter, Apocalypse and Science and Health, such a beautiful description of the city. And, you know, taken in the allegorical sense, the description of the city as four square has a profound meaning. The four sides of our city are the word of God, Christ, Christianity, and divine science. 
and the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there there shall be no night there. This city is wholly spiritual, as its four sides indicate. And then, you know, it says, It is indeed a city of the spirit, fair and royal and square. Northward, its gates open to the north star, the word, the polar magnet of revelation. Eastward, to the star seen by the wise men of the Orient, who followed it to the manger of Jesus. Southward, to the... Genial tropics with the southern cross in the skies, the cross of Calvary, which binds human society into solemn union, westward to the grand realization of the golden shore of love and the peaceful sea of harmony. This heavenly city lighted by the sun of righteousness, this new Jerusalem, this infinite all, which seems to us so hidden in the midst of remoteness, reached St. John's vision while he still tabernacled with mortals. And then we know it is just um, states and stages of consciousness. So you don't feel that you're in that city with the gate is open all the time, then get yourself in. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Work at it. Work at it till you feel it, because because we can be there. This is so wonderful. We don't have to wait for some what, off divine event at Him. The event is love, and it is here and now. Yeah. But that the chapter Apocalypse and Science and Health is a masterpiece. It's beautiful. We should all be studying it with our study of Revelation. I can remember one time years ago when it looked like I was being tossed around here and there, and Mrs. Evans looked at me and said, stay in the love of God. And with those few words, the whole thing resolved, and I found my peace again. Thank you. I think I've given a testimony about that, because I know at one point, every time I would would end the conversation, she'd always say, stay in the love of God. And that's biblical, but remember to stay in the love of God. No hate there, no resentment, no night, no fear. No discontent. No discontent. No No dissatisfied, I want. Yep, no jealousy. And if you don't stay in it, who's at fault? You. You. Nobody else. Yeah, no guilt here, only accountability. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. It's very true. No guilt, just accountability. And that we must have. So one of the thoughts that uh, I like about this is uh, it talks about the gates shall be open continually. Well, this is a welcoming. So you are always welcome. The gates are not shut day or night. You are always welcome. So there's like an um, inclusion on this, right? That everybody's welcome. If you you. want to see God, you will be welcome. Thank you. Yeah, God loves everybody. 
<laughs> he can't do otherwise. He can't. Exactly. And that's why it is to help our neighbor to see him, as, as Lawrence said, see him already there. That's what Mrs. Evans would used to tell us to do about our spouses if they weren't in science, to see them in science, see them in church, see them there, see your children there, because that's the truth about them. Again, why would God make a creation, have his creation, and then have his creation not know a clue about him? Right. That would be ridiculous. They do know. Of course or they do. Or disinterested. Yeah, or disinterested, or yeah. Yeah, no matter how big the claim is, it's still just a claim. Yes. I acknowledge your claim, but I denounce your power. Mary Baker Eddy. So we keep our doors open. Keep the gate exactly. open. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Bright light, the bright light of the ever presence of the glory of God. That's right. Everyone is welcome here. Into the Plainfield website 24 7. Well, that's true. And I thought this was something beautiful. It, it was about um, what is the significance of the 12 gates in Revelation? And, you know, it mentions about how each gate of the New Jerusalem is made of a single pearl. And this says the richness and supernatural nature of the city is profound. As commentator Charles Eliot points out, the pearl was esteemed as the greatest value among the ancients. It is an appropriate emblem of the highest truth. It is the only precious stone which the art and skill of man cannot improve. Mm -hmm. The imagery calls to mind Jesus' parallel, parable of the pearl of great price. This is the city that is worth more than anything this present world has to offer. Its builder and maker is God. And then the gates of the new Jerusalem never close. There are eternal safety and peace in the new Jerusalem. There are no enemies to shut the gates against. Access to the heavenly kingdom on the new earth is free and unhindered, and the glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Revelation. The gates face every direction in the compass, which is what Mrs. Eddy wrote about, and their perpetual openness invites everyone to partake of the goodness of God's grace. Yes. And I also read, you know, there's a, a lot about all these gemstones in Revelation 21. And, and uh, there was explanations, just as there is of this one on Pearl, which is so beautiful. Um, they're just symbols of God's beauty. And uh, they would put them on their breastplates, right? All these various gemstones as a representative, as as have of something good and beautiful, protection, health, but only as protection, only as a symbol. I know, aren't kids in today to this gemology or something like that? Yeah, I know. I've bought plenty of stones for my daughter. So yeah. <laughs> the yeah. thought of buying stones is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we're not into any of this 
they're pretty. Okay, they're so pretty. Yeah, they're pretty, and, and as they re- re- symbolize mm. the things of God, maybe they have some meaning. Yeah, characters and qualities. Yes. I love that thought, though, that the pearl we can't improve on. That's Isn't that? Thought. I never thought yeah. of that before. Yeah. And it has a sheen to it, a glow, you know, it just glows on its own. Yeah. And, uh, you know, lowly muscle or whatever. Exactly. I think they're pretty strong, too, aren't they? Yes. I think they are. I, I mean, I, I do love pearls. I love the sheen to them. Mm-hmm. And then to read that, it made me think more deeply. So, but you see here again, everything, everything in God's universe represents him, right? We see him, we see him everywhere. Is that, it's a song that Bruce sings. This is my father's world. (laughs) And the rustling leaves. Mm -hmm. I hear him. Mm -hmm. I hear him pass. He speaks to me everywhere. Thank you. It's written on leaf and flower. Thank you. Yeah. Beautiful. Bruce had to really try not to sing it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I told myself that. <laughs> it's one of my favorites. So yeah, cute. I can't hide that. I can't hide anything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this thing about poetry, that's one thing that's been said of Mary Baker, all her life, she seemed like poetry came easily to her. When she was 15 years old, she would walk through the garden with the pastor of her church, whom she loved dearly, because there was no sense of conflict, but love between them. And the the clergyman, he finally admitted to Mary Baker, your poetry exceeds my theology. How could I possibly preach to you? Beautiful. Thank you. Token of appreciation. That's wonderful. Yeah. Where did you find this? I found it in the biography by Sybil Wilbur. Wow, that's amazing. You know, I'm just thinking that that should be added to Nancy's book, right? So. Um, oh, yeah. I, I like what she did, but sometimes I feel like it would be nice to have a little context about the poems and where she found them and stuff. Mm-hmm. And something like that would be just tremendous to add. I can look it up quickly and I can give it to you, the yeah. passage yeah. that Miss Wilbur wrote about her. That is wonderful. Quite a model of humility in that man yes. and, and a far cry from her own father. Yes. Or prior pastor. This his name was Enoch Corser, and there was a tender, tender, deep admiration between him and her that went both ways. It's beautiful. Bruce is a walking encyclopedia of Mrs. Eddy's life because she's doing the audios of. Yes. Well, he did the healer, and he did the. Now he's doing Civil Wilbur. Yes, I am. And it hasn't been long since you read Greco either, so. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's why it's so wonderful to know these things. You have them at your fingertips. So now we've added, you read you read the Bible, you read Science and Health, you read prose works, yes. and you read a biography of Mrs. Yes. Well, speaking of biographies, wasn't there a 
book that we talked about recently, that uh, biography of Mary Baker Eddy's, it's under 100 pages, not very long. We were going to yeah. post this on the website or something. That, yeah, did I remember did. this wrong or something? No, that's true. There was a reason we didn't post it on the website, but um, oh, okay. But but yes, there's a short. That's like fine. Sixty pages. Forget the name of it. I think um, it's just the isn't it just Mary Baker Eddy by Mary. By B. Lord Myra B. Lord. Yes. Myra. Yes. Okay. Myra B. Lord. Yes. Yeah. And it is. It's a beautiful one, but it was written under the direction of someone. Yeah. Um, yeah. Forget who it was. It wasn't Didamore. Well, that's okay. We have a huge list of biographies. Yes, we yeah. do. And a lot of wonderful, wonderful books here. Yes, thank you. And t tell them, tell them what what uh, the organization said about David Keeston's book. Hmm? Oh gosh, I mean. Uh, they they they, uh, they have the organization has a page that lists virtually all, not all, but um, biographies written about Mary Baker Eddy from the very beginning all the way up to the most current. Um, and so they do have uh, listed uh, the healer um, by uh, David Keeston, and the description in there is just almost horrific about unauthenticated and this can't be true type of paraphrasing, right, about his book. Um, and then it it shows in there that uh, he passed away in 2016. I mean, this is, I don't know, this is like flabbergasting. I just, uh, I thought maybe they meant his father. I hope, I hope it was some logical reason. But it's it's beyond belief if that's true. It's very so we will stay away from all of that and thank God for our website. Yeah, well thank God we know not to trust anything that comes out of Boston. Absolutely. Anyway. That is that is so we have a four minutes for the last question. Tom. Yes, we do. And and I just also add like they they write so warmly and positively about books that really aren't worth reading, like the book about the tremendous book, so to speak, about that gives a psychological profile of Mary Baker Eddy. I mean, he gets. <laughs> they wrote very nicely about that book. Yeah. Um, I don't see how anybody in their right mind can even approach a subject like well, that. You just I, I, I answered it right words in the same sentence. No, no. Here's what I'm thinking. We we could talk a little bit about this question, or do we want to put some of this to the next Bible study? Uh, we can almost talk an hour on this last question, frankly. Um, but maybe we talk about it for a couple minutes, um, then continue with the next Bible study. I'm just suggesting. I, I think it's worthwhile to talk about. It's up to you, Tom. Well, okay. You're the moderator. All right, well, well, let's talk about it, and then um, if we feel like it, we could, we could uh, continue on the next Bible study. But So here's the question. What is the final message of Revelation? War or peace? Now, why did they write this question? We can get from Daniel, which is a very prophetic book, and it says here, I beheld, 
And the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them. And then we have in Matthew, the Gospels, right? Ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. And then we have in Revelation, it was given unto him, the beast, to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. So there's a, a lot about the prophecy in the book of Revelation about war. Um, so I think there's a valid question. You know, is what is the, what is the true message of Re- Revelation? War or peace or both? Well, we, we've touched on this. Mm-hmm. This is Eddie Wright. The warfare with oneself is grand. Huh. Yes. Right? Gives us plenty of employment. <laughs> the warfare is in our consciousness, isn't it? It's true. Overcoming our collective fears our false beliefs constitutes the warfare, right? And it and it externalizes itself. I mean, we can see it physically, but it's a mental warfare. It's against powers. Yeah, on one side there'll be discord and dismay, and on the other side, science and peace. And what is the peace? We have a hymn. It is the fruit of conquered sin. Thank you. Yeah, the, the, the peace is the result of our persistence in the truth. Of our conquering all the false beliefs that come at us. Uh, would it be okay if you repeated that? There's some background noise, maybe just on my end. Yeah, it's the result of our persistence in the truth, which is the peace that no man can take away from you. I think, you know, I think of what Jesus told his disciples in John 14, verse 27. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I mean, Mrs. Eddie says, you know, the the devil, evil nips at your heel. But you can you can stop stop it out with the truth. Go ahead, Florence. I think also we can add here what Jesus said, uh, John sixteen thirty three. I have overcome the world, which means he's overcome all the anxieties and cares, hatred and persecution, sin and temptation, all the forces, including sorrow and death. So that, to me, the the whole thing ends with with the ultimate peace that 
God gives. If we and access it. it, it ends with that ultimate peace. <laughs> In um, miscellaneous writings, and I've given this many times because I'll never forget it. This when Mrs. Evans gave me this article to read, I could not believe it. It showed I had never read prose works before, which I had not. But that article, "Put Up Thy Sword." While Jesus' life was full of love and a demonstration of love, it appeared hate to the carnal mind or mortal thought of his time. He said, think not that I come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance with his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foe shall be that of their own household. This action of Jesus was stimulated by the same love that closed to the senses that wondrous life and that summed up its demonstration in the command, put up thy sword. The very conflict his truth brought in accomplishing its purpose of love meant all the way through, put up thy sword. But the sword must have been drawn before it could be returned into this scabbard. My students need to search the scriptures and science and health with key to the scriptures to understand the personal Jesus labor in the flesh for their salvation. They need to do this even to understand my works, their motives, aims, and tendencies. My students are at the beginning of their demonstration. They have a long warfare with error in themselves and in others to finish. They must at this stage use the sword of spirit. They cannot in the beginning take the attitude nor adopt the words that Jesus used at the end of his demonstration. If you would follow in his footsteps, you must not try to gather the harvest while the corn is in the blade, nor yet when it is in the ear. A wise spiritual discernment must be used in your application of his words and inference from his acts to guide your own state of combat with error. There remaineth, it is true, a Sabbath rest for the people of God, but we must first have done our work and entered into the rest, as the scriptures give example. I didn't read all of that, but anyway, it's everyone definitely needs to be familiar with that because we all want to skip over to the peace thing. And that's why there's been so many errors unmet. As, what did you? What was your quote, Bruce? It conquered sin. Yes, it's in one of our hymns. Peace, the fruit of conquered sin. Mm. Yeah. Conquered. Mm-hmm. Conquered, not ignored or skipped over or any of that. Um, and these are the teachings of Christ that don't get taught. And these are the teachings that are all over the um, Mother Church extension, written in stone. Were engraved in stone these tougher things and also from science and health and prose works so uh, and I bring it up a lot because it was certainly what was lacking when I was a member of the organization before I met Mrs. Evans shall I say I had no idea about any of this and it's been the source of many problems in society because all too many want things good and lovely without having to work for them and uh, taking responsibility. That's true. Right. 
And that is a cancer in our society, if we allow it. So there's a lot to this war and peace. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and a lot of it was covered through our pages. I think that's interesting, those Beatitudes of Revelation. Yeah. We could certainly go into more of that if we wanted to. Yeah. So I guess the answer to this question about the message of Revelation, War and Peace, I guess the answer is yes and yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> As the Russian novel. That's Tolstoy. Tolstoy. <laughs> Well, I thought one of the important things about this is that, uh, uh, I mean, we, it's important we understand the ultimate triumph, right? But, um, you know, and the study of the book of Revelation, um, you know, outside of this church, right? There's such a focus on those three verses that I mentioned about from Daniel and uh, from Matthew and from Revelation, the war against the saints and wars and rumors of wars, uh, that probably takes up 90% of the discussion of Revelation. This um, prophetic uh, um, message of um, these wars going on. And you, when you start studying Revelation, you start seeing that there's really some important concepts being taught in that book like the first two we went through you know it is done that sense of completeness perfection timelessness you know the gates shall not be shut we are all welcome um, and goodness always flows um, those are important concepts and and it gets lost in this discussion about all these wars that go on so that was part of the reason I threw the question in there. Um, well, no, that's true. And and if anybody tries to interpret the book of Revelation humanly, they're going to get stuck in all the warfare. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's why it can't be interpreted humanly. It has to be interpreted spiritually. And with the same revelation, that it was written with. And that reveals to us the ultimate truth. That's why Christian science is the gate to the city. Without, without the science, revelation doesn't make sense. And there is no war there, and it is where we should keep ourselves. <laughs> um, but that doesn't mean we're not going to have some combative work to do at times. <laughs> Read and I think it was collectanium is that he said if you bring a fight you're going to get a fight. Yes. Yeah. Not what we're talking about, right? You know, I used to call it looking for bear. You know, some people are always just looking to fight. Um, no. No, we are looking to love. Yeah. To yes. defeat the enemy that is not a person. It's not a person, a place, or a thing. And we see with, with Christ Jesus, certainly you see it in the chosen, all he did was love and heal. Right. And look, look what happened. He aroused the animosity of our mind. 
So um, that's all right. But he overcame it. He overcame it, yes. And so can we. The last three verses of. If we are willing. The 91st Psalm. Because that his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. And the safest place on earth as we do this work. So thank you, Tim. Thank you, Tom. Oh, yeah. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Did everyone say what they wanted? Is there anyone who had something they needed to say? No, it was wonderful. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And thank you, Tom. And so we'll we'll end with uh, from Revelation, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you Amen. all. Amen. 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 It is done. It is done. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank, thank you, you very much. much, Tom. Thank you. All right. Thank, thank you. Bye now. Bye. Thank you. We'll see you all tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Yeah, thank, thank you. you.